welcome to a special GradCast series, There's No Planet B. In this series, myself, Danica, and Reese, as well as a few other guests, will have conversations about issues that are important to graduate students in the realm of environment and sustainability on the Western campus and in the local London community. We've also asked our previous guest, Brendan, to come back and join us as a special host for the rest of the series. Today, we are here with Courtney. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, you guys, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward uh, a lot to our chat today. Awesome. So why don't we get started? Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your time at Western, and your work in sustainability on Western's campus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to start by saying I am joining you guys today um, from the province of British Columbia. Uh, I've had the privilege of living and growing up on the traditional lands of the Tawasan First Nations people. And funny enough, because of the uh, pandemic, I've actually never been able to step foot on campus and I've never in my personal life actually been to London, Ontario. So I get a bit of a satellite understanding of what's going on in the community there. Um, but I think, you know, with my with the help of the sustainability committee and Brendan, um, I'm getting a really, really good picture of, of what we can sort of do. So before I get to that, maybe I'll just explain why I became a part of the sustainability committee and then pivoted into becoming the chair. So I'm going into my second year of my master's in education and curriculum studies. And before that, my academic and scholarly endeavors have been in early childhood education. So I started as an ECE in British Columbia about 10 years ago and noticed really quickly that Education and curriculum, especially for really young children, has become quite insulated <clears throat> and very static. And when we talk about environmental issues, it is very human-centric. And <clears throat> before we get into a lot of those details, I just wanted to lay out that educational paradigms and structures are very neocolonial capitalist logics. And so I was disturbed by this. I thought, I'm, I'm you know, I'm in my 30s. This is the same way we were, we were treating kids when I was three, four, and five years old. How is this possible? Why are we stuck in this sort of exchange of consumerism and extractivism and conveyor belt education? Like, What's going on here? There has to be a reason. And the more I dug, it was because of a lot of, again, these neoliberal ideas of citizenry and um, economics. And that's very intimately tied to environmental degradation and the way that we treat the planet and other species. So I decided to pursue my bachelor's of early childhood education and care at Capilano University. And that really opened up my eyes to the politics in the world. And when I say politics, I don't necessarily mean right wing, left wing or performativity. But what I mean is the complex entanglements of how the world really truly works beyond what we're fed. And Again, I was profoundly dissatisfied and actually quite peeved off that we were treating children this way. And so now moving into my master's, what my focus and research on is how we can reconceptualize school gardens as sites of resistance towards these neoliberal colonial capitalist logics and how we can get early years education and young children, family educators and communities to really come together to care about the environment because as you know, um, we're running out of time. So it really has to pivot from us doing good things to be nice people. And as Greta Thunberg would say, 
we need to start acting as if the house is on fire um, because it is. So that's sort of my <laughs> large yet Cole's notes versions of, of who I am, what I'm doing and why when I came to Western and saw the opportunity to become part of the SOG Sustainability Committee, um, there was no question um, to, to become part of this team. That's awesome. That's really fascinating. I, I think that's really cool to be looking at the way that those gardens can operate. And I have to say, I wish as a kid that my school had had that opportunity to do that. I think it would have uh, kind of pushed me into gardening a lot sooner. Um, but you mentioned your um, involvement in the sustainability committee. So what exactly is your role on the sustainability committee currently? Yeah, so I, I joined originally as just a committee team member, and um, this year, just in May, so it's only been a few months, I've pivoted into becoming the chair. And so, so far, it's really just, you know, we are, have a lot of ambition in this team, and it's really exciting to see how passionate and really hungry um, all the committee members are. So I would say that my role is really just to facilitate and support and keep the momentum that the other committee team members are wanting to engage with. So for example, right now this morning I was working on some, so at like a micro level, we're working on ethical commitments that our sustainability team stands for. And I think the reason that having something like that or these type of declarations is really important is to sort of go back to what we were talking about earlier where this isn't just posturing for the sake of it looking good on a CV or cleaning up our campus. Those are great things, but it has to be more than that. Like what is at the heart of these things? So we're looking at ethical commitments. We're looking at launching different um, roles like Brendan's um, sustainability coordinator, coordinator uh, role where he'll be liaisoning between internal and external networks, organizations, political parties to really create and build more community um, power essentially within and without um, the institution. That's fantastic. So you mentioned that Brendan is the sustainability coordinator. What other types of roles do you have? So obviously we know your role and Brendan's role. So um, what do other graduate students do on this committee? Yeah, so we have uh, an advocacy team, um, which again, they really position themselves right now to think about the ethicality and advocating not only for the students, but also the work. We have to make things inclusive. We have to make things accessible. And we really need to do that in a way where people feel welcome in environmental issues. You know, I'm sure if we talk to the accessibility commissioner, which I have, a, there's a large amount of people who are left out of these conversations. And yet they're the people who are disproportionately affected by environmental issues. And so the advocacy team really works to ensure that everybody is not only brought a seat or a place at the table, but that that table is not inherently racist and inaccessible. So uh, we also have a financial team who, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but they look for ways of promoting and supporting financially our endeavors. We reach out to other organizations um, like Reimagine Co in London, Ontario, that is a zero waste refillery. Um, they're really great. Tuesdays, students get 10% off, just to let you know. Um, and yeah, we just sort of, it's really about creating this community vibe and power in numbers. So we have the commissioners, they work on a lot of different policy docs, um, like our climate emergency declaration, which I know that we'll be speaking to. 
Um, and then we have the social media team, which is an incredibly dedicated group of people who, again, we, we, we understand that these conversations can be super weighty and very depressive. And, you know, students, we have enough on our plate already. Um, so they really try and like drive home the conversations that these things matter, but do in a way that is not only informative and accessible, but like interesting and, and it can be enjoyable, you know, it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. So there's a lot of different hands working in a lot of um, honeypots. And when we come together, it's, it's pretty incredible the expansiveness, um, but the intimacy that we're able to actually um, work with. It sounds like a really, really amazing committee um, that a lot of different students are able to get involved in. Um, as a committee, do you have any kind of specific goals that you're working towards for the Western um, community and for campus? I mean, I assume that, that most of this work is geared towards um, campus and the student body. Yeah, it is. And, and I would love if uh, Brendan felt comfortable chiming in as well, because I know he's doing a lot of work and I really don't have enough words to say the ambition that he has um, to create very actionable, visible um, initiatives. So, you know, there's a lot of work with um, um, the campus cleanup, campus composting, you know, we need more signage, we need more transparency about what the institution of Western is actually doing for students. Um, we have campus gardens that we're talking about, you know, trying to get other committees and, and students involved with as well. So, um, Brendan, I'm not sure if you wanted to pick up on that at all, but um, yeah, please go ahead. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Happy to jump in here. Um... I'll straddle the line between host and guest. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, as listeners might remember, um, earlier this year in March, uh, the Society of Graduate Students um, adopted a declaration of climate emergency. And what does that actually mean for us? Um, we are still in the process of figuring that out. Um, you know, a declaration I think is a good call to action, but we have a lot of work to do to figure out what those actions will be and at what level we want to take action. So, um, you know, there's work to be done within the Society of Graduate Students to ensure that we are doing everything we can in our own operations to be sustainable, um, in particular around the grad club. Um, so the grad club is sort of the brick and mortar piece of the Society of Graduate Students. And we want to make sure that the food and supplies um, and really the facilities uh, are as sustainable as they can be, that we're mitigating waste, um, ensuring people are making informed, responsible decisions about what they want to eat at the grad club. Um, but then there's a lot of work to be done uh, just in the way of building community, like Courtney talked about. You know, we have students arriving at Western each year who are coming from all over the world. And when they arrive in London and start attending Western, you know, they're not necessarily going to be immediately familiar with all of the resources available to them here. Um, and if these students are interested in living sustainably, you know, we want to empower them to do that by sharing knowledge. Um, so a, a, an example I like to point to is every municipality in Ontario seems to have different recycling streams of what is allowed and is not allowed to be recycled. Um, we want to make sure like that information is reaching 
graduate students as they arrive here. Um, if people are interested in reducing uh, waste associated with their shopping and dining, um, pointing them to establishments in London where that's feasible. Um, so there's that information piece and education for the community. But then what I'm really excited to be working on is the um, sustainability coordinator is we want to mobilize graduate students to become involved in community causes and to enable our uh, sustainability committee to collaborate with outside parties. So for example, um, at the USC, there's Enviro Western that does really meaningful work. Um, there's all kinds of community organizations in London. Um, the USC has several clubs on campus that work on environmental topics. So bringing all of these people together and sort of bridging these silos and sustainability that have formed over the last few years, I think will enable us to get a lot more done. Um, but exactly what we are going to be working on is still an active conversation. These are goals that we should be making um, in terms of plans that we can actually achieve, things that we can track, um, targets that we want to accomplish. Um, because we're now at the point in the climate emergency where we really need to be making evidence-based decisions and keeping track of stuff as we go. See, that's why I asked him to say stuff. <laughs> I was just about to ask you if you had anything you wanted to add, but I... <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think what Brendan's saying is, is just so on point, you know, it is about bringing people together and, and sort of cross-contaminating each other in the best way possible to, you know, that expression power in numbers and we, we just don't have time to be sitting around and talking about what we're going to do anymore. We really have to start thinking like Brendan was saying at this measurable metric level where it might seem small and seemingly insignificant and not move the needle much, but it's something. And if everybody just did one imperfect, passionate attempt at changing even a small aspect of their life to be more environmentally thoughtful. I mean, globally, we would be in a much better place. So even if it is signage, you know, we might not stop the glaciers from melting, but we're doing something. And so I think, you know, to use that term that Brendan even said is like this straddling between paralyzed fear and feeling overwhelmed and then we do nothing or being overly ambitious and setting these targets that are, will never be hit because it sounds good. So how can we work at a graduate level and also bring in undergraduates and other community members and especially administration to really start making some movement here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to go back to the climate emergency declaration, as I'm sure we may have some listeners um, who don't know that this was declared or maybe um, aren't sure what exactly it is. Um, so first of all, who exactly declared this climate emergency? So I'm, I'm happy to speak to this. Um, this was something that was put together in uh, over the winter um, by the SOGS Sustainability Committee. And there were a few uh, reasons for us doing this, but chief among them was feedback that we got directly from the graduate student body. Um, last fall, we developed a survey and we basically wanted to find out, well, how graduate students were feeling about the environmental crises and climate change and biodiversity loss. Are we doing enough? Um, are they informed about ways that they can be involved? And just sort of putting our finger on the pulse of attitudes. Um, and we received all of this information uh, that suggested that one, graduate students really do care about this, that they are anxious about the climate emergency, um, that two, they really felt we are not doing enough. 
And three, and this is sort of um, a contradiction with number two, there was a lack of awareness of what we are already doing. Um, and this maybe speaks to a breakdown of communication in the past. Um, and when I say we, I'm speaking about Western as an institution, but also the city of London. Um, the city of London passed its own declaration of a climate emergency back in 2019. And since then, they've been developing what's called the Climate Emergency Action Plan, which is really going to uh, inform what the city does and what organizations and individuals in the city will work on moving forward to address the climate emergency and all that means for where we live. So we were thinking about how we should sort of go about navigating the climate emergency at the society level. You know, how do we best mobilize the resources we've got? How do we ensure that what we are doing aligns with the institution of Western's priorities, but also the city of London? Um, so in declaring a climate emergency, we put together this declaration document and we had it adopted by the SOGS exec. Um, but the context for this is that um, the Society of Graduate Students, although many members strong, is still a relatively small fish at the beast of an institution that is Western University. Um, the bigger fish, such as the um, USC, which has many more members, and the university itself have not declared a climate emergency. And so what does this mean? You know, we are recognizing that the place where we live in London, Ontario, has acknowledged that there is a climate emergency. Graduate students are aware that there is a climate emergency. Um, even the Faculty Association at Western put out a statement about the climate emergency. So how do we bring the others in the USC and Western administration into the fold so that we are all on the same page and we can design action meaningfully moving forward. That is really what the climate emergency declaration was about is calling to action. The, like this is a crisis, we cannot wait. Um, we need to all collaborate and, and move forward. So that was sort of a summary of the motivation behind it. Um, if you're curious to read the text of the climate emergency declaration, uh, it is on the SOGS website. That's awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that um, so well and so clearly. Um, so obviously you touched on, on it kind of being a call to action um, to some of the bigger uh, organizations and institutions at Western University. Um, obviously, since this was kind of created after uh, talking to graduate students, uh, presumably this was well received by graduate students. Um, has there been any discussions with administration at Western about this? So we have drafted this letter and I've confirmed that administration is aware that the Society of Graduate Students has declared a state of climate emergency, but um, a, a big next step for us is to actually extend an olive branch to administration um, and say, you know, we have declared a climate emergency at SOGS. We want to meet with Western administration to talk about what the university is doing or what the university is planning to do uh, for climate change specifically. You know, Western has just announced its next strategic plan, and it does seem like sustainability is being prioritized. Um, it appears as one of the pillars. Western has committed quite a lot of funding uh, for sustainability. But what exactly does that mean? What are the plans moving forward? Um, and how does this tie into climate change? There was very little reference to climate change or global warming in the actual strategic plan. Um, where I'm most interested in, in um, moving forward is developing metrics so that we can actually track progress. It's one thing to set goals that are ambitious, but it's another to actually meet those goals. And many of these things are targets years into the future that we need to make sure we're doing the right stuff incrementally to get there. 
Um, so it, to answer your question, we have not yet directly engaged with Western about how the Society of Graduate Students and Western are going to work together to take meaningful climate action. That's something that I'm looking forward to pursuing over the next year. And I think just to pick up on there too, right now, we're also, um, as Brendan had mentioned earlier, is getting like the USC and other groups to also declare um, their own climate emergency declaration so that we can be a united front to hold the institution accountable. I think a lot of this is it has to move beyond like a symbolic gesture um, and just like this nice policy. If everyone's doing it, let's do it too to look good. Um, but it is a springboard for action because just to throw in a couple stats, you know, like one in 10 people in the world live where there is an express policy of emergency. That's 800 million people. And so I think sometimes when we hear about these, these gestures or when we think of these documents and policies and statements or manifestos, whatever you want to jazz it up as, it can sometimes become very numbing. Just another greenwashed, you know, posturing that really doesn't do anything. And so what I really love about the committee is that we are very passionate about holding people accountable. And so when we come together and create these documents, it really is about becoming a united front to ask for transparency um, and to really see what's being done now so that we can continue into the future as Brendan noted. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So that I guess that's one of the big roles that the Sustainability Committee is filling right now um, is kind of acting on behalf of graduate students um, to approach these other institutions such as the USC um, and hopefully in future uh, work with them on creating these broader goals for campus. Is that is that was my understanding correct there? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. And I think it's also really important to note with these sort of declarations um, that, you know, Indigenous people globally have been crying emergency and uh, environmental degradation since colonization began. So I just want to also make it very abundantly clear that this is, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Like this is, we're adding, we, we want to be amplifying people on the ground outside of the institution as well who have been doing this work but for many many reasons like I began with this neo-colonial capitalist extractive way of existing have been purposely ignored so if we want to be allies and we want to make change we have to actually come together with the people who are already doing this and and again hold the right people accountable so I really always want to make sure that we we don't act like this is something new. We haven't invented this. Um, we are we are adding to voices that have been tirelessly marginalized and fighting for this, literally for their lives. And um, so interdisciplinary work, especially with our indigenous com uh, commissioners, incredibly important to the committee. And that's why the ethical commitments that we're working on are also very important for us to have. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I think on that note, I'm sure um, there are a lot of students who will be listening um, who have heard both of you speak so passionately about the Sustainability Committee um, that they may be interested in getting involved. Um, so for those students who may be interested in uh, joining or helping or contributing in some way to the work that you're doing, um, how can those students um, engage with this? Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if you want to follow us on Instagram. Uh, our social media team is amazing. I love seeing everything they put up. So if you follow us at uh, sogs.sustainability, so S-O-G-S dot S-U-S-T-A-N-A 
B-I-L-I-T-Y, Sogs.Sustainability. There's tons of content on there. Please feel free to chime in in the comments, send us a private message there. And if you want to reach out to me personally, um, my email is C-N-E-I-D-I-G, C-Needig at uwo.ca. And then I know Brendan would also like to share his uh, coordinator role uh, email as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we've set up a new email address dedicated to the uh, sustainability coordinator. It's sustainability period coordinator at sogs.ca. Um, and this is meant to be a forum. If you have any environmental concerns on campus, if you've got questions about sustainability or the environment nearby, feel free to send an email. Um, Keep an eye also on the SOGS website because we're going to be adding a page with tons of resources for sustainability. Um, but yeah, don't be a stranger. Well, and with that, we are unfortunately out of time. But thank you so much, Courtney, for coming on the show and to Brendan for his contribution um, to this discussion as well. Yeah, thank you guys so much for what you do. I really appreciate any way we can mobilize these sort of conversations. It's fantastic. And I, yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity to come and hang out today. This has been There's No Planet B, a special series created by GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Rosemary, here with co-host Brendan and special guest Courtney, and this episode, as always, is produced by Reese. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at GradCast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Western Radio 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night, everyone.